2: Yes, yes, y'all. My name is M.I. Abaga, aka The Guy, aka Mr. Incredible, whatever you want to call me. I just had an amazing time because I sipped tea with Timmy Son on Tea with Tay. Stay tuned. Hey, guys,
1: welcome to another brand new episode of Tea with Tay Pod, the only podcast that brings the tea acidy hot. And speaking about tea, this podcast is proudly sponsored by my faves, Lipton. Now today, my guest is a singer, songwriter, and one of the best rappers to ever do it. His name is Jude Lemfani Abaga. Yeah, you guessed it. It's Mr. Incredible himself, Mi Abaga. Please put your hands together for my guest. <laughs>
2: Mi. I, I, I go join my own hands. Hey, so I, clap for myself. I clap for you.
1: <laughs> hey, bro. This has been a long time coming. No? Yeah, I've man. I've been chasing you. You know, you're a superstar, so. You don't give us time. You know, I'm not available.
2: But I understand that you're working a lot. Man, I've huh. just I've just truly I'm such a fan of your pod. I've been looking forward to doing it. My wife too really loves you, you know. I love her And too. she loves so She sweet loves, loves, loves your pod. I'd even tell her about it because she would have forced me to do it like four weeks ago. She'll maybe travel back to Nigeria to come out it. But
1: I know I'll be talking to you when, I need, when <laughs> I need to get you
2: to do stuff. But, man. but I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. Looking forward to the conversation. I'm happy that you're here. How are you these days? I'm okay. I'm in I'm in uh I'm in um, you know. I'm in a great place in my life, and I understand why they say that as you get older, life becomes better. You know, so I'm really like, like I'm really at a phase in my life where things are very clear. Things are very, I'm um, very purposeful. You know, yeah. I it's like spend my time doing what I want to do. You know, to achieve what I want to achieve. It's great, hey, how are you? I, I'm I'm great. I'm I just got back from holiday.
1: Come on, where did you go? <laughs> I went to Paris. I went to Amsterdam. I went to London.
2: I went to Belgium. Which 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 of these cities has the best tea? I think Paris.
1: I, I think Paris. I just like Paris. I just you know I thought I was going to like. I'm I'm not saying this so that London people can come for me. <laughs> but I I actually think that I like Paris a lot. I'm
2: going to learn French because of how much I like. it. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's so, so much style in everything in Paris. Yeah, it's just the aesthetics, you know. Je ne sais quoi. The air,
1: the je ne sais quoi, mm, the oomph, you mm. know. Paris has mm. that. You know, in the yeah. morning, I'm, I'm, I'm out there eating croissants. Yeah, you definitely and, have
2: Parisian vibes. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, yeah. and. This script, you act. You know, I, when I was on holiday, right, in the morning, out. I would leave my hotel. to. So there's a cafe that I usually go to, you know. It's 10 it's ten euros, right? So, 10 euros can get you, like, croissants. That's like 10,000 naira. I've been at 15k now. Yes, now, no, how much do you chop for a restaurant for you? If you go to the cafeteria, you know how much you go spend for that kind of thing. Truly. Yeah. Truly, truly, Good point, good point. So, like, I would go there in the morning. And this is... I'm so sorry, guys. I'm going to get to MI, but... I would leave in the morning. As I'm entering there, I feel, you know... He... I feel very Parisian, you know. As mm. I'm walking in and they're serving me the bread mm. and sunny side ups, mm. the runny eggs. Mm. I'm just like, this is my life. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> shut up, local. shut up, local. shut
2: up. <laughs> shut up, <local. laughs> shut, up,
1: shut up, You would know. You you know? know. They don't
2: know. No. They've never been. They <laughs> <laughs> go off our camera. Oh, the oh. You go <laughs> tell you at the end of the podcast, bro, Yo, this is, you know,
1: sorry, camera had a fault. Oh, no, but I had a good time. I honestly... Think that the only way that I can survive as a creative right now is if I take regular breaks. And yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: That's why I do that. I don't even think that we should think about it as as like as creatives. We shouldn't think about our breaks as as breaks. Like from the corporate world, like one of the top CEOs, Jeff Bezos, says that the most important thing that he does with his time is thinking. Now, most creatives, when they're thinking, they think they're not working. They don't count it as work. You know, when you're watching videos, when you're you're replenishing yourself creatively, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to do it. Like sitting down, creating content, talking to people, it takes, like you're giving of yourself but and replenishing that is, is actually a, an act of work So well.
1: the, the truth is that even when I'm on holiday, I'm I'm, I'm actually not on holiday because I'm constantly thinking of exactly. my contents and, and thinking is also a, a, a stressful process. I, yeah, exactly. I need to, I need to sit down as a creative and not think. How, yeah. how about
2: that? Like really truly, in Every two week period, take a two day break where you turn off your phone and you don't do anything. You see that when you come out of it, everything is so much clearer.
1: So, my issue is that my mind works on over. Like, even when I'm sleeping, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Once I wake up, my thoughts are already yeah. all over the place and I literally have to pray and quiet it. Yeah. yeah. Please let's get into this podcast because we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you, you I, we'll, minutes in. We start gisting about other things. Yeah. Now. But you know, the best, the, my best episodes are episodes that the guest just comes and we just, Vibe just, yeah. like we're not exactly following any guidelines and yeah. everything, but I know that that's what you're going to give me on this yeah. episode. Yeah, you know, um, we know Mr. Incredible, we know the guy that has given us the greatest rap albums. I don't listen to rap; but I listen to you, right? So I feel like you're very interesting. But I, we don't know who Jude is. I mean, your family might know, your close friends can might know, but to the rest of Nigerians and the world, who's Jude? Who would you say Jude is? Who's who's Jude as?
2: That's a very His good
1: son, a family guy, you know, a friend.
2: Yeah, that's a very, very good question. Huh? Um, I don't even know that I know the answer to that. You know, one year into marriage, I realized like halfway into the marriage that my wife was describing me in a way I've never heard myself. And I was like, oh, she has the, she's the first person that's had enough time with adult Jude to be able to even tell Jude things. You know, sometimes you're thinking, and when you're thinking, what is what is on your windscreen as a human being is what you're thinking about, but you're not aware of how you're acting as you're thinking. You know what I'm saying? And it's only someone that's with you that can be like, do you know that you always do this thing, and then you have to be like, oh yeah, I do that thing. And so having like a partner, a spouse, mm-hmm. makes you see yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. And I realized I don't really know myself like in that way. Yeah. Like I'm evolving, but I would say I'm a very I'm a shy person first of all. You person. are yeah, I'm a shy person um i'm i I around friends I, I tell a lot of jokes, you know, I can be loud, I can be like mm-hmm. you know um I think people don't see that side of me, the humor you know, mm-hmm. um a lot of times on Twitter when I get in trouble, I'm trying to be funny and sarcastic, and I just are like, no, this is what you meant, Bye-bye. bad I just you know um i uh I'm chill, I'm very like I'm very. Like low maintenance as a person. Like I, I'm in the house. I'm quiet. You know, I like ironing. I like I like reading. You like ironing? Yeah, I like. Hey, sit, I should I move I, you <laughs> I sit on the balcony. So I sometimes when fans and stuff come and visit me, I'm like, eh, I don't know if you want to meet. If you thought, if you saw Mi, I don't know if you want to meet Jude because Jude, right. is, at, at least in this phase of my life, you know. Um, but it also goes with some of the things I'm doing now, as opposed to when I was younger. You know, mm. when I was putting out them albums. Before mm-hmm. I, st- I went into management at Chocolate City, that was a different MI. You know, parties, outs, large crew, all that. So that's what I mean. You change so much as you go through life. And I think that the the most important thing you can have as you look at like your whiteboard of your life is to hold your eraser because you may need to wipe things mm-hmm. off and write new things mm-hmm. You know, as you go along. I hope that was a good answer. Did you learn anything about me in that in that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> in that Just answer. Sense. A little bit. A little yeah, bit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you you were raised in Joss
1: yeah.
2: tell me about that growing up in Joss yo J-Town uh, J-Town is like have you been to Joss no I've never been a, I've always wanted to visit
1: but I've just never had what? the opportunity I've never been to the north I'm but... gonna invite you I have a project please. in Joss yes you, please you, you
2: money but mm. yeah we're, I <laughs> <we're,
1: know>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> project in Joss early next year mm-hmm. to work with creatives and to help them gain some skills and stuff but Joss when you arrive you're gonna see it. it's a magical place I hear Magical. Bro, during summertime, they're they're like fireflies at night. You know those those like little light, those yeah. things that have lights everywhere. There's butterflies, yeah. they're like beetle bugs, they're apples, strawberries, fresh cucumbers, everywhere. Strawberries. Natural in Ah, It's just a magical place. And the people are peaceful, they're kind, they're artistic, they are very loving, um, very simple, you know. And so for a creative, it's like the best place to I go. I don't think Jost gets enough PR. He doesn't. He doesn't. Because a, no. p- a couple of people have said this thing, but I'm like, mm, yeah. this is not the narrative I have of yeah. Jost. And I just, I grew up looking at like music, music icons. Like, do you know who Dr. Pan Ampersipal is? Yes. No, I mean, no, i mean church Ah, come on. And you know, he really did well in the South-South. Yes. Yes. Oh, so he was from there. He's from... Panam. It makes sense Panam now. Panam is a... Like, I, I, he's not from... um He's not from Plateau State. But I I think, effectively, all his career was... Was from out of Plateau State. So I saw him. You know, like, when you see an upcoming artist... Mm-hmm. I used to go to church and he would come and perform with his band. Then all of a sudden, this guy had the biggest song. He was huge. Huge. And and he wasn't just the only one. There was one, like... um. Iconic, like Islamic Muslim singer called um uh dam Mariah Joss, icon of music. He plays this, this instrument called the Molo. Ting, 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 ting. And he would be like, yeah, and just sit, like this huge icon of music. Right. And then I grew up with like like a lot of other artists. P Square were coming up in Joss at the same time. Um yeah, well, P-Square Peace, lived in Joss, man, their whole lives. They're just guys. I want, I'm able. Yeah. Like, I... It's crazy. The Joss just, the just, just is heavy out in this industry. You know what I mean? If you just think about the MI strain, it's MI, Ice Prince, Jesse Jags, you know, Actually, Chopsticks, yeah. uh, Grip Boys, Young L. Like, there's so many artists that um, come through that. And it was just magical music. Um, very, very beautiful place. And then, of course, around the turn of the uh, millennium, you know, these religious riots and right. uprisings started happening. Um, the, I think the city is trying to bounce back culturally from that. But it's not lost any of its magic. It still yeah. has that, yeah. that magic. It still has the potential. Like most of Nigeria, you know. Um, and it's a beautiful place, man. I can't wait for you to come. You I, know. I, I should come. Um,
1: I, I want to know what your childhood was like. You know, you were raised by Christian parents, first yeah, of all. Yeah. Your father is a pastor. How yeah. did you end up being... This, in the world, in the world, like they would say, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, you were raised in, in the church. Yeah. Growing up in the church is always different. And the, the the kids that grew up in the church, we know them. Are you now a PK? So,
2: I'm trying to imagine what that was like. You know. Yeah, my dad was like, um, he. So when I was a young, when I was cognizant, he was a pastor at the very very early stages of my life. But then he became an evangelist, which is a little bit of a transition, you know. An evangelist is like like they're the, the Afrobeat stars of church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the ones that do stadiums. So very early on, I saw my dad do like crusades. I saw my dad. Meet, he was on that level. Yeah, I saw my dad meet uh, Reinhard Bonke. Why oh, not You know, mm-hmm. go meet Benny Hinn. Go meet David Youngicho, who are like church heroes. Yes, yes. That's what I just saw early on. My father just, just said, I'm going to South Korea and just hop on a plane. We and just were like, what? <laughs> going to the airport was a trip for us. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because just is magical, so it feels like you have everything there. Mm-hmm. Then this guy, you know, in his early 30s at the time, would just be like, I am going to Israel. Hop on a plane, <laughs> come back. And the other thing about it is that church communities also, at that time, at that phase in the economy of Nigeria, were also the perfect place for young people. Like, that's why a lot of, you know, people come from those church communities yes, a lot yes, of music a yes. lot of family yeah. and friends around so you have a lot of friends um so that was very helpful um of course the question you asked about what happens when you start transitioning mm-hmm. my parents didn't really stress me about the music i was making i think they'd seen me love music my whole life but mm-hmm. i will say that there were a lot of pastors some of them are even my friends now but when we left Joss, i started the Chuck boys they were I even heard one or two preached on stage that, oh, these boys, they're John Illuminati. They've, <laughs> they've gone to the world. And even right now in Joss, I find a lot of young people that are very talented, that have global talent, that are struggling with that, What well, can I do this thing sec- secular? Can yeah. I step out of church and do these things? Yeah, so... Is it's a church it's, community that big in Joss? It's, it's the most massive community. So Joss is sort of like, you know, the higher north you go, um, both the re- both the Christian and the Muslim communities are probably more committed to their their their, mm-hmm. their faith, the practice of their faith. Yeah. The higher up you go, mm-hmm. um, the, in um in our country, so it has a very very strong evangelical. You know, I, I was brought up in Equa. There's mm-hmm. coquin there's Baptist, there's Catholic churches. It's very very strong uh, mm-hmm. Christian community in just yeah. So when when
1: did the music start for you? Was it in church or Outside of church. I know that you had a lot of musical influences. Yeah. Like I read like you know, yeah. you like the DMX and yeah. the Lauren Hill. Yeah. Also being a church, a PK, were you allowed yeah. to listen to that to that? Were you encouraged yeah. to listen to that? Yeah. When did the music actually start for you? Were you in the choir at some point?
2: You know? Man, I was a star boy in the choir, man.
1: I Energy, play drums,
2: play drums, even though there was a few people. I should actually use this podcast. You said the tea. I should call names. Mm-hmm. You, treated, you know, Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player. Right. His uh, Hall of Fame speech. Mm-hmm. When he got there to Hall of Fame, he had a long list of people. He said, you didn't believe in me when I was five. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't believe in me when I was 10. <laughs> you, you, didn't believe in me. So maybe I should do that here. But um, yeah, I, I was just like... St- Star, star boy I they perform. I, I every summer I would gather my friends around some of them don't even like music today mm-hmm. I'd be like you're going to play bass you're going to do this you're going to do this we'll go and do a song we'll prepare we'll do the rehearsals and we we'll present it at the church and um, Chris, Christian music Christian music mm-hmm. so along the way if your if your if your heart is to love music you start hearing some music that you're like what is, what is that <laughs> when I heard rap music for the first time I remember one of my classmates, because again, I'm a pastor's kid. I joined secondary school and what a friend of mine called Emmanuel Bio was rapping a heavy D song to me. Let it rain, honey, pop the umbrella. It has to go down, smooth up. I was like, what? <laughs> and because my voice isn't great, my singing voice isn't great, I'm like, I found my thing, you know? <laughs> From then on, I strong head. So by the time I started putting out music, my parents were already like, okay, we know this is our son's calling. Really? And we know him because I was also a little bit um, I was very driven about what I wanted to do remember Mm -hmm. I've seen my dad do great things yes you know I think this is part of the importance of what parents teach you without teaching you Mm -hmm. right Um, so when I started they were just like okay and I don't think they've listened to most of my most of my music in fact when I early on when I started rapping I wouldn't even use cuss words at all you know then by my mixtapes, I started and it's doing small, 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 small. small, small so by, small, small, by that small, small, time, you were spirit field. What changed? <laughs> <laughs> I became industry field You know, when you enter Lagos, <laughs> industry will say, "Let me see, let me, mm-hmm. let me see your pure heart, and mm-hmm. let me say something about that." You enter the industry, clean skin. You, enter, you live you with tattoos my and scars.
1: Brother, you, yeah,
2: you know, you <laughs> be exposed to things that you never thought that you could do. Yo, that's what this industry does. To you. Yo. you know how many moments I've had a moment where I'm like. Are you guys trying to tell me that people do this and they're like, yeah, everyone does it? I'm yeah. like, what? My like my virgin Christian pastor child brain coming to Lagos and being in this industry he, he, has been blown so many times. You know, <laughs> right now, you know,
1: right now I'm so humble and I'm like, God, I'm broken before you because you know that I came with pride of, you know, I'm coming from a church background. This you know, this industry is about certain things, but I, Timison, don't Praise stand the Lord. for those things. Hallelujah. The way I feel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they brought, when they- when said, don't go to sleep with Korama stress. My bro. The way I feel. My bro. I just opened me- it just opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, you cannot really say that you're not something until yeah. you're exposed to that thing. Like, you can do something.
2: I have a funny story I remember. Yeah. Um, one, one time in secondary school, I remember walking around the school being like, I'm so strong in my faith. Nothing can ever make me. Backslide in my faith. Were like,
1: you? Were you? Sorry, were you such a faith? Like because you're a PK, obviously. Yeah, a different phase of my life. PKs. There's yeah. some PKs that, but PKs, I mean, pastors' kids, yes, right? Yes. There's some PKs that try to emulate their parents. Then there are, there are PKs some PKs that are
2: outright rebels. <laughs> Which one were you? I was. I think generally, my parents would see me and 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 people around my. Family will see me as a good kid. I think generally, I'm I'm largely the responsible type yeah. of first son. Yeah, you know, um, and even like even if you look at my career, it's not like there's really been like uh, morally inclined scandal. Yes, I've sort yes. of been like you know clean slate. Yeah, fairly, clean slate. Yeah, Relatively. Yeah. This is not to say. I mean, I'm talking about the narrative out there. This is not to say I'm I'm as guilty of all things as most artists are, but. Mm-hmm. um I would say that, that just because when you're doing something like music and you become popular, just because it's, it, it has a lot of conflict with faith, especially people, if you come from a place like Pato State where people really practice it very seriously, there's always that conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, this is the way the world is. Right now, So I tell you the truth, that when I look at things now, eh, I don't try to pick one option. Mm -hmm. I try to understand, I I say to myself, there are probably two or three true options happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I've learned about life, that it's not either or, it's and, and. Like, both people are probably correct. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? But truth is one, don't you think? But truth is complex. You're right, it's one. Mm -hmm. And everybody may be contributing to the truth. So let's give an example now. You go back to that uh, story of the blind people and the elephant. Mm -hmm. Everybody's touching the elephant from different points. So somebody says, this is a wall. Somebody says, this is a snake. Somebody says, this is a tree. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, this is marble. They're all correct. And the truth is one. But the truth combines all their perspective. Do you understand? So that's how I sort of look at the world now. When I look at something, I say to myself, like, okay, everybody's going to tell the truth to contribute to what the real truth is, which is probably a larger story that none, not all of them can see. You know, and that helps me understand it. So, in that way, I say that, look, there's a deep complexity. If you take away faith, if you tell people that, if you tell, if you tell Christians not to make secular music, first of all, you're removing, let's start from Donjazi. You're removing Donjazi from music completely. Think about what Donjazi has meant to Nigeria and Afrobeat. Mm. It's complex. Can you, can you, if you're his pastor now, Go back in time. Can you tell Don Jazzy not to do secular music? Think about all oh, his contributed. Think about the lives he's changed. Mm. So it's a complex thing. Whereas, the person that's having that belief in faith, can I tell them they are wrong? You know? So, it's like, I look at the world sometimes, I'm like, it's complex. And that that's the right way to look at it and live it. Fair you know? enough. So, yeah. Tell me about uni in America. You schooled in America. Yeah. I was starting uni in Nigeria first. Oh, you did uni in Nigeria too? One year. ATBU. Eight carryovers.
1: What be that? It's going to It's eight She
2: uh, car- uh, cal- do <laughs> <eight of> you. <laughs> you, you know, class. Eight carryovers. I was just, my head was just in my creativity. Right. The guy that would never come to class was be in the studio. I went to study the quantity ah, survey. <laughs> quantity survey. The way that they go food. Know, Up to now, I'm not sure I can explain. My brother. What quantity survey is. You know, I don't know if uh, people have had this, this thing when you're entering university where they just like, just enter this lane. You're yes. not just an entry delay. You don't even know. Do you know that that's how most of us went to uni? Can you imagine how crazy that is? Think about the fact that you're competing against people in the rest of the world. When I went to America, my first year, the whole year, is focused on you picking what your course should be. They tell you to try different things. You have counselors to help you figure out this is what you should be doing. Meanwhile, in Nigeria, they just say what you're, is a, you're a quantity <clears throat> surveyor now. So, but why quantity? Who picked it for you? I wanted to do architecture. But my jam score wasn't high enough, uh, so they're like, "Okay, good. just go to QS." And you know how it is now. Your father will agree with the, mm. the dean, will agree with the lecturer. So Just will put him there. After I the, the, That's it. I was not in. Do, you, of do you know
1: how I chose my
2: course? <laughs> I think it was my uncle that walked
1: into the room that day. I said, "I've I'm, I've picked you in luck for jam form. See what do you want to be? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an actor." Seeing that mom is not gonna pay for anything, so that's not a serious course. cause. Because my parents wanted me to be an engineer I say, from where to where? How can I be an engineer? You understand? So I picked law because it looked like the most yeah. creative, you know, thing that I could have gone with. Did you go did you law school? I did. I have a diploma. I just I, never I, went to collect it. Chipitilie. Ah yeah. So I went through diploma in wow. in law. And by the time I was done with the diploma, I said, God, if I continue like this, I will never be successful in life because I couldn't understand what I was getting myself into. That's how they moved me to history. By the time I was doing history, I never stayed in class because I'm like, what will I do with this history, God? Even the history, I don't remember. I'm... <laughs> but I can tell you that all the things I learned from that history, maybe not Mansa Musa. <laughs> Mansa <Master> Musa finished. <laughs> it was so funny. That I don't know how I, I was always smart, so I got yeah. by, but I just knew that, you know, yeah. and
2: was, it's such a waste right? for all us smart kids yes. because imagine they gave you something imagine like imagine I did creative arts imagine and you had a professor like on the state side they would be like you're so talented your professors would be like look mm. what do you want to accomplish mm. let's set you on a path mm. let's connect you to this tutor let's yes. take this extra course go, go do this internship mm. you know they prepare you for the world mm. and I think that's. In our country, that's one of the things that when we fix, we're going to see the true potential of Nigerians. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if there's like any uh, nationalities out there that can compete with us in terms of that combination of culture, energy, and intelligence. Mm-hmm. But we, our systems here are, set, are holding us back so bad. That it's really difficult for a young person to make it pass by the time you pass through the system. Yeah. System don't point you, go like this. Meanwhile, mm. road now like this. You understand? Well, you know, the fun thing about Nigerian young people, and,
1: and and I say it every time that we're so resilient that we've always find ways. Yeah. I've never seen a country that has this much creativity and resilience in yeah. young people. Yeah. Because it's the same Nigeria where Nigerians or young Nigerians use social media to create jobs and opportunities for themselves. Yeah. We are so talented that... You know,
2: In if we, we're in an ideal country, right? Oh, I have a question for you about social media. A Jazzy right. question. Yeah. What is this AI... Blah, 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 blah. So but I think it's, it's, it's to me, it's what's TikTok. happening. It's TikTok. So what, what's happening? Well, there's roses, there are all these so things... So I feel like those,
1: those roses... And I don't do a lot of TikTok, but I know that I can infer that those roses, those things are...
2: Points that they give, I think you can convert it back to money with TikTok. So people, so basically, people buy like these tokens, and, and they come on your live stream, and they can give it to yes, you, and then yes. the person can convert it as money. Yeah.
1: So people work for that money. So all of so, that. So
2: is I'm asking for you to give me points basically. Yes. So I I, I imagine I'm that out the M I A I see This is my entry crazy. point to TikTok, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because like uh, two weeks ago I saw this really <laughs> Thank you, beautiful. The... <laughs> <laughs> I need to start this thing. It's crazy. Then today, today i not posted like a, yeah, a, a, a slide.
0: slide of them. Mm-hmm.
2: There's like the Igbo one. There's like... You know, Nigerians is so crazy. Yo, I love it. I love it so much. I'm like, you were just talking about creativity. I'm like, we truly are, like yes, we are. the goats of creativity yes. in the world. So, I, like, I
1: can't lie to you. Yeah. We are probably the most creative nation yeah, maybe Americans have a melting pot of different, yeah. you know, ethnicities and whatever. But Nigeria, and
2: now we still there. Ah. now we still there. It's maybe crazy. Talk about I feel like
1: that. I feel like maybe God allowed us to struggle like this so we can th- thrive. You know, because we don't go through struggles right? yeah. and they get
2: opportunity to going to do the most. It so works. Yeah.
1: we are those people. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, we were even talking about it before the podcast about how that balance of like struggle. Look at all you've achieved. You were talking earlier about like man, the grind. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Now you're we talk- were talking about your like the level up.
1: It's mm-hmm. just more
2: work. Yeah, you know, it's like the price for the price for doing well is more. Yes, more the grind. For... But that shows you what struggle does. Is that struggle is actually a good thing? It's a perspective thing. It's actually a good it, thing because it, it means you're solving a problem. Trails of trauma, but then struggle is is it trauma.
1: Some some struggle. It is... can be.
2: Mm. It can be, but it's perspective now. Something happens to you. You can either say, this is a bad thing and my life is sad because of it. Or you can say, this is a good thing because when I overcome it, I'm going to be one of those people that have overcome this kind of thing. And that's going to change me as a person. And it's look, the world is so unfair. There are people that the things that have happened to them are very, again, back to complexity, Mm -hmm. are very, very unfair. Mm -hmm. But I feel like almost any human being has the ability to change their perspective and turn something that's meant for bad to be something for good. True, You know? I
1: agree. Yeah. Let's talk about Nigeria and just coming...
2: You started the music in America or you moved back to, to start? Yeah, it. I was always doing music uh, right. in America. And, and even when my grades were not doing well, one thing I was always working on was my music. Mm-hmm. Improving, listening, writing, producing. Um, I was in a gospel choir in the US. I was a dancer. I was a DJ. I was a producer. I was uh-huh. singing in an cappella group, a gospel group. How um, did you finish school with <laughs> all of this? I, this is why I didn't finish. I, <laughs> I, I, I had trouble, mm-hmm. um, but it was really more about the finance, the financing of the tuition. Right. Um, I think school fees at the time was like $20,000 a year. And so we sort That's of went... Still to, expensive yeah, now, Seth. We sort of went on faith, you know? Got some money together, got some sponsorship, went there, struggle, 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 struggle. You can't choke by year mm-hmm. three, year four. So I came back, sort of like, let me come and reorganize get some new scholarships and then didn't get a visa, door closed, bam. I'm now stuck in Nigeria. Stop it. Just And you know that... You didn't get a visa back. I, I, because to be honest with you, I, my grades also at the time weren't showing what the visa person wanted to see. And I think, uh, let me not make an excuse for them. Y'all fucked up. Y'all should have let me back. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, there's no MI if I went back to America. Yeah, true. It's no America. This is the thing about perspective. Like, I, I was dating someone at the time. I would have probably gotten married to her. White babe. You know I what I'm just, saying? Don't, don't yeah. One, two years. They give, we go one place, settle down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And now this other journey in my life, where I was able to live and work in my purpose and make music and create albums. But and that it, must have hurt you at the beginning when you finally you couldn't go back. It humbled me. Right. It humbled me because I came... You know when you come back first, you're IJGB. Yes. And then after a while, you're like... I, <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I know, you know they go back. I know they go back. Cool. I, you know, uh, that's... I N... I know they go back. I N D G B. Mm-hmm. That's a new one. <laughs> I like it. But then you become that. Stuck. And then you now have to like... You've been four years somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And now you come back and you now have to... You know, most of my friends were in the US. So it was very humbling. Mm-hmm. But when I was in the U.S., to survive, the jobs I took was washing toilets, was cutting grass, I was mopping floors, I was sweeping, I was doing a lot of maintenance, cleaning, taking out the garbage. So I tell artists even up till today that when you see me in the studio, when you see me on stage, I'm always mopping the floor. Like, I've never left that mindset since I left that place. So when I came back to Nigeria now, everything is collapsed. I immediately went and got a job. My first job was 9,000 naira per month. In Joss? In Joss. At an internet cafe. And what I was doing, I was working for eight hours and helping people log into their email, helping people send emails and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. helping people make uh, phone calls. Did that for about a year. Got from 9K to 30K. Now at 30K, that time studio session is like 10K. So every month I'll have like 10K. So I organized my brother, Jesse, ICE, all the young people in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. We're going to form a label called Righteous Era, called Loopy Records. And we have our producers. One of our producers is a producer, at the time, is a producer called E Kelly, Who oh, now... Kelly works for Empower. He's like the head of music. Mm. Um, he's produced for everyone, from Wiz yeah. to, you yeah. know... Um, and he was my senior in secondary school. So, he's gonna, you're going to be a producer. Jesse was also... Jesse was a dancer and superstar. So you just assigned... Them rules. We organized. We started. We did the photo shoots. We started ah. doing a job. We did photo shoots. Started doing some artwork. I had another friend, Eddie Lapang,
1: mm-hmm. who
2: was like a graphic designer. You're going to be our head of graphics, you know. And we set it out. And then I would just use the money to pay for studio sessions. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I was going to be the artist. I thought I'm going to put Jesse on and put all these other people on. But as we call it, this studio now, um, you know, people are not so serious. So I would just start recording music. I just start recording music, and then one song I recorded got to the ears of Audu, who was the head of Chocolate, who was who was starting Chocolate City, and had signed Jeremiah. Gary. In Jos, in Ab- Audu was in Abuja at the time. Right. Yes, but right. he was signing Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah had this big song. Do you remember? Yeah. 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 So signed Jeremiah. I'm uh, Jeremiah, and I are like we've known each other since we were like babies. Yeah. So. Um, and at the time, back to the thing I was saying about mopping. Once I go back to Joss, I just make myself useful. Work. So I started managing Jeremiah too as well. I'm like, you're very talented, but I think if you have a team around you, it's so great. I would organize, we would go to take him to events and stuff like that. Then comes Chocolate City. These guys, you know, they have some cars, mm-hmm. they have some small money. We, we they find two k that time, they mm-hmm. get like they go flash twenty k. We go, eh, <laughs> eh, oh boy, yo, we don't made it. Yeah. And um, Jem, uh, Jeremiah sort of got signed and, mm-hmm. and through that, now I'm hustling on this side. So in fact, I had so many hustles. I was doing the music hustle on one side. One of the other partners at at uh, Chocolate City, Paul, used to be a, a brand manager for one of the brands, a cigarette brand. Mm-hmm. So he always needed someone to help him do like photographs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So he just found I was very diligent. Yeah. Again, the guy that mops so he would tell me, I want to organize an event. I'll say, No problem. Tell me what you need. He would give me a budget. I'll return money back to him. Hey. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't do that. In the in the tell in the I'll say, maybe the budget now 50K. He'll give me maybe like 40K based on, you know what I'm saying, say, mm-hmm. let me under budget. Maybe I ask him for 30K. he go say, okay, no problem. I have 35K. He'd go for him, say, how is this guy gonna do it? At the end of the project, I'll come back and say, I have 12K for you.
1: Am I, you you <laughs> so, remember those people when we say, I know they like to work with them because they will be cut, cut,
2: cut, cut, cut. I am for sure one of those people. Hey. Right? For sure. So, or let's say I was for sure one okay, of those okay, people, so, yeah. So, old things are passed away. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't like working with some people. Let us
1: use the budgets. It is for a reason. See, old things are passed away. Yeah. I love it. Um, but. We must have been that hands on for people to trust you a lot with their. So imagine now from the group
2: of these guys, Aldo Paul, they just see this young man that is just on it. I'm managing Jeremiah, I'm producing music and then this one song now that I recorded just went, went through this ecosystem. So um, how are you distributing your music because you're in, just you in
1: Lagos, right? So just also like I know that Lagos is the hub for everything entertainment, yeah, right? So yeah. how were you able to distribute something to the point where people were already
2: hearing it's in Abuja, yeah, nobody nobody, nobody had heard it now at this point mm-hmm. it's just in our ecosystem right you know you make a song people in the studio have heard it mm-hmm. you put it out with your friends you say you're putting it out at the time Maybe there's Facebook you put it on Facebook or MySpace something like that what platforms like so there was no like TV channels radio wasn't I mean we didn't have access to that like Ice Prince at the time was much younger mm-hmm. and Ice Prince was there's a, an OAP one of the big OAPs in Joss Ice Prince was was their landlord. Ice Prince's family estate mm-hmm. uh, was housing this, la- this guy. So yeah. Ice Prince used to get on radio, you know? But right. the rest of us, it was only through the fact that we were just working so hard and building community and putting out music. We are organizing our own shows. I used to do something called Jam Session. Basically, we take our studio equipment, we set it up in a room and we perform for two, three hours. Do you know what I'm saying? To people. To people. Just inviting people in our estates, And yeah. it grew to like 2,000, 3,000 people. You know? So... I had like a whole community of mm-hmm. entertainment, you know, like the shows. We were doing. We had a studio, we were doing all this stuff. And I think at the right time, it just channeled into a deal at Chocolate mm-hmm. City. And to be honest with you, I, I'm not saying this. Uh, okay, let me not say why I'm not saying it. I'm mm-hmm. saying it for the benefit of young people that don't know what to do next. I would say that if you, stay, if you stay focused on the thing that's in front of you, people are going to notice how hard you work. Even if the thing you're doing is not, it's like mopping.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: if you, if you're working in a place and you see somebody that mops, but mops with diligence, dilages, 7 a.m. they're there, they look clean, they get out the mop, they do it, they're smiling, they say, you're going to notice.
1: Yeah.
2: That person does it for two months. And then, when an opportunity opens up, it always goes to those people. You know, and I felt like I was just one of those, those kids at the time. By the time I came to Lagos now, imagine a, a rapper that's been doing shows, been organizing studio sessions, been writing, been doing been managing artists. So it was like, the rest of the game was in slow motion, and I was in full speed.
1: Okay, so let let me let, let yeah. let's break it down. So,
2: <laughs> Audo finds you, yes, and tells you to come to Lagos or Abuja. So Jeremiah got signed to Chocolate City. Because I was close to Jeremiah, I would travel with Jeremiah. So I started meeting Audo and them. Mm-hmm. and because uh, I was working with Paul who is Aldu's partner in okay. J- different different sector. Right. me and Paul have our own relationship in JOS in fact mm-hmm. the day that Paul told Audu there's this guy I think you should sign Aldu was also telling him there's this guy I think we should sign Audu had heard his song he was telling Paul we should sign this guy mm-hmm. Paul had heard me perform somewhere mm-hmm. I was saying yeah I, I heard you I know you heard someone but they a rapper I know in JOS mm-hmm. and they discovered it was the same person right. that we were talking about right. and then from there now it was his own journey because at the time Audu was a young label owner, didn't have the funding. So, I still had to figure it out, you know. So uh, through one of our trips, I met Jeannie in Enugu in 2006, 2006. We went to do a show. there's so many parts of this show, but when we arrived at the show, I remember that Waji was there. She was an yeah. upcoming artist in Enugu yeah. at the time. too. Yeah. And I went as Jeremiah's PA. Right. But Jeremiah was like, Ah, this guy can rap. Get on stage. Oh. So when I got on stage, the whole crowd went crazy. The show was Jeremiah and Jeannie. Right. And later on, we we're hanging out. Jeremiah was like, Am I rap, rap, rap? And I rapped and Jeannie heard. <sighs> this time, Jeannie was on Sound City in Lagos. Right. So Jeannie said, I have a program. I want you to come to Lagos. Right. This is how I now came and stayed with Genie, And because I was so organized and I had all this studio and everything, Genie and I were able to build a sustainable friendship. Mm-hmm. I felt where I was like, I can do production, I can do so-and-so. He's like, fine. I moved into his house with a lo- bunch of his other friends. Um, Mex, who shot the video for Safe. These guys are like big guys now in production space. Yeah. Yeah. Just a young group of us. We're like five, six of us living mm-hmm. in the house. At first in Bodhi And then mm-hmm. we moved to Onipan you know, sleep on the floor in the in the in the living room, you know, and just have fun, that young early stage yeah. and go back to Joss. You know, go to Abuja sometimes, try get as much money as I can, come back to Lagos, mm-hmm. hustle, go back to Joss. But what I had in Just allowed me to be very, even at a sm- in a small space, allowed me to be very dominant because I could produce.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had my studio back in Joss. Mm-hmm. I had my community, I had my shows, I had fan base already growing in Joss. I already had so much experience performing so I could go from place to place and you know, it just helped me grow really quickly. So,
1: so when did the big break because you know, you can be hustling and hustling and hustling and yeah. you would just realize that you finally found that big break or the one song
2: just 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 takes one yeah. song yeah, to say, you know. I think that song arguably it could be safe. Yeah. Um, I had crowd mentality before then yeah. and crowd mentality is when I became like an artist. It's like when they start counting your timesheets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been making music before then. So, Crowd Mentality, two thousand and seven. Then I won an award, uh, this Award. Yeah. You know, if you guys can put the clip of me in you know, I <sighs> it's a different am I. You see the real Jude coming from Joss there, yeah. mm-hmm. and the way I shouted when I got the award. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that Joss was on fire that day. People were crying. Like, what? This Jude guy. Imagine like. Music was, it looked so distant. It was like Keke and D1 and all these mm. big hummers And we had like poor kids in Joss. Mm-hmm. And now, one of us, without having Any. father, brother, I didn't even know anyone in Lagos. Right. You know what I'm saying? Is now an award winner, best rap single. And I felt like for most of the young artists in Joss, that just changed everything. They just were like, okay. Jesse, Ice Prince, all of them, they were like, okay, it can be done. They um, moved in. Omar, Yes. <laughs> people start to move. And the move, like one of the people that moved with us now is now the CEO of Chocolate City, Abuchi. Right. He was his engineer at the time in the studio. Mm-hmm. So people mm-hmm. just came and found a way, you know, as Nigeria, as Nigerians, you said, spoke about it, that resilience.
1: Yeah. Um, T- tell me about life going forward. So from that moment when Safe happened, you know, tell me about the trajectory going forward. So your, so your siblings moved. I mean, just, yeah, my just team. Here, your, yeah. your, your team, they moved. Tell me about what happened
2: going forward. Because yeah, the career so, just kicked off yeah. from that. Um, yeah, this is a good question because so we I, I moved in with Jeannie in let's say 2006 Jeannie and I became like proper roommates like let's say 2007 mm-hmm. two of us in the house and then my Jesse, Ice Prince and Abuchi came and were living with me at Jeannie's place. Mm-hmm. Um, till like 2009 we moved to our own house in oh happy day. Mm-hmm. The two days when we bought our first car <laughs> End of discussion. Honda. Hey, that mutu, my dear brother, me, Jesse, and Ice were we are driving through the city of Lagos. We could not believe that this was your life. We made it now. Yes, no. We from own a Honda Accord in Obanikuru, and we're moving in one Accord. Ah! You understand? I love it. I love it. I love it. What more is there to say? Is the end of discussion? You know. Yes.
1: Can't run from
2: So, and then when we moved into our own house as well, yeah. Um, but we moved into our... I remember just being like, man, we've moved into our own apartment Where where, where was the apartment? Obanikoro.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Ob- Ob- Obanikoro and, still. And that house is still within our, the Chocolate City. It's still being occupied by someone within the Chocolate City ecosystem oh, up till today. More than... Yeah, we moved in 2008, so like 15 years now. We've kept that property. Um, and... It was a lot of... A lot of happy times.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, one of... There's a point in my career where I was talking a lot about the Chocolate City breakup because at this time, Jesse and Ice Prince were like closest friends. Mm-hmm. Jesse Ice Prince and Abu Chi were such a closely tight-knit, tight-knit unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to make music all together. We used to collaborate on songs. There was a lot of healthy competition. Right. You know, life was just simpler. Uh, we could share easier. Um, and, but it was also very tough. You know, no money. Um, and it changes the dynamics because now, you know, even though I was sort of the leader already from Joss, mm-hmm. you know, now everybody has to now start figuring out themselves. Mm. And because I came from America, I was giving my people American rules. When we moved to the house, I'm like, everybody is here is going to pay rent. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I did it because I knew that having responsibilities forces you. To be, yeah. You know, it funnish. forces you. So, I I'll tell this story about Ice Prince. And for every Ice Prince fan, out there. This is all you need to know about Iceprint. So when I asked, the first time I called everybody in the house, I was like, we were like six, seven guys here. I want everybody to pay 30k rent. I'm paying for the house. The house was maybe like 2 million. I'm going to pay the rent. But our monthly bills are like, let's say 200k. Mm-hmm. Internet, food, blah, blah, blah. I want everybody here to contribute. That's the prerequisite for staying in this house. So the first few people that I left were my, one of them was my Egbon and one of them was my Classmate from school. They could even, these ones I have experience in life. They're like, man, we're out of here, man. What kind of wickedness is this? (laughs) (laughs) Who told the money I'm making? Ice Prince, who was the youngest in the house, he came to my room and he said, Am I? But you know I don't have any money. Why are you asking me to pay rent? And the question was so sincere that I was, I, I said to him, Ice Prince, because I feel like you are already uh, valuable enough to make money Mm -hmm. and that the money is already out there some other artist is connect collecting that money so i'm giving you this thing i'm not going to kick you out but i'm giving you this thing so that you start paying this rent and from that moment you know that you have a claim i want you to do this Mm -hmm. so ice prince i want you to go out and start looking for opportunities do you know the next morning like 8 a.m ice prince got up and went out and he found a job that day. He booked a tour to work with Sprites, 30, 30, uh, 30 uh, gigs across the country. Mm-hmm. When Ice Prince went and came from that see. now imagine a young artist, now he went to Enugu, went to Owerri, went to uh, um, Elisha, went to all these places. He saw Nigeria in a new way. When he mm-hmm. came back, immediately recorded Olegu and all those records. And- he even gave me African rapper number one. He's, he, he came back and became a hit machine immediately. He's like, he saw Nigeria. Now, let's go back to the moment of the rent. Right. That told me everything I needed to know about Ice Prince. Like, he heard this thing. Rather than speculate, he was like, tell me, explain to me. Mm-hmm. When he understood it, he was like, I can do this. And he went and got it done. And, you know, when people talk about, like, who I regard as some of the greatest rappers of all time, mm. I feel like Ice Prince always gets... Neglected in the conversation for his real impact. Mm. We have to remember what Ice Prince did for rap. Right. Ice Prince was... Was the guy that had global hip-hop dominance. True. From Oleku to that yeah. period. Like South Africa, Bab, yeah. he was just... He's hit after hit looks... after hit. When we started doing international artists, Ice Prince was one of the first. Now international artists, uh, Ice Prince was recording with French Montana, yeah, all these guys going to the US, yeah, all them BT awards, Ice Prince was the f- nominee. Yeah, true. You know? Um, and I think it's just because he's just a chill, you know? He doesn't toot his own horn. He stays in his own lane. People don't really, you know, he should he should be in, every conversation he, he's in, I think he should be in top three conversations. Like, mm-hmm. he's really that impactful. He made such a difference to to the genre and to, and to Afrobeats and that movement forward. Ice Prince was like, Ice Prince was there the whole time with Wiz, David, all those yeah, guys as yeah, he went along, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, so shout out to Ice. Shout out to Ice Prince. <laughs> have so you me... had him on the pod?
1: No, I've not. I, I, he st- you got to have
2: stories for you, man. Yeah, I know him.
1: <laughs> um, tell me about your relationship with Jesse, your brother. Jesse Jack, the greatest. So Jesse Jacks was like, I feel like he, he's great, but he was. I feel like he just never wanted to be out there too much yeah. I felt like he wanted the work to be out there more yeah. I've never seen Jesse do like interviews or yeah. things he was just very I knew he was I knew he's very talented but he was very It was giving me Sia vibes Yeah, you know? <laughs> Sia, Sia doesn't even want to be seen yeah and, you know? good, yeah. that's a
2: good analogy so yeah. there's a guy in our, in, our, in, our, in our city called Piruit he's a basketball legend to us P.R.E.T used to score like Michael Jordan used to score in the NBA, in Joss. But because of where he's from, Mm -hmm. he would never be appreciated in his lifetime for the things he can do. I know we all have someone like that. To me, Jesse Jags is one of those artists. Like, I look at Jesse Jags the way I look at Bob Marley. You know, like, here is somebody that, as God was creating people, He said, your own gift will be music. You understand? The thing about those people is that they are so deep and they're so powerful that a lot of times they are misunderstood. And a lot of times they show up in the wrong place and they're never fully appreciated. Right. You know, um, But you just have to talk to somebody that really understands Jesse Jack's music to know like the link between Jesse and his fans is like visceral. And I, as a younger brother, as an older brother, I saw it very early on. In fact, early on, I had to contend. Because remember, I was the leader. Yes. If I did, jealous my brother. He was the first sure. i go fuck up. Mm-hmm. I don't go give him opportunity. So even before we left, I had to sit with myself and say to myself, either you step down as a leader or you commit yourself to making sure that if Jesse is the star, you, would you get out of the way. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. Early on, Jesse was the star. So when, before I blew up, Jesse had one song called Bend Down Low. The minute he recorded this song, all of us in the studio, we were like, fuck. (laughs) So even when I started pitching us as a team to Chocolate City, I had to work a lot of times when people were ignoring me and they were like, no, this is the song. Mm -hmm. This is the song. This is the song. This is the song. And I don't know if Jesse even knows this, but it was a conflict for me at the time. And I had to be like, okay. I need to do the right thing and make sure that everybody on my team gets on. And so I'm glad that I resolved it early on internally with me because Mm -hmm. a lot of times as a human being, you have emotions that you don't know what to do with and you carry it on. But I I was like, this guy is just so great. And and out of the fact that he's my blood brother, all that, he's just a great artist that deserves. So I just went full in and immediately I could, as soon as... My own stuff had come out and done well. Immediately I could, I was like, Jesse, 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 Jess, Jess, just, Jesse, 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 Jesse. Jesse Save just went to Abuja while the company was still trying to figure it out, put our waiting day. Explosion. Explosion. And the rest is history, you know? Um, but my relationship with him, we've gone through a lot. We've gone through a lot, you know. Uh I'm gonna speak so. I'm going to speak as honestly as I've ever spoken about that relationship okay. here because to say that first of all we are brothers. Do you have a brother? Yeah, I have. Do you have a good relationship with your brother?
1: Oh yeah, a very
2: healthy one. Brothers like when you're somebody's siblings, there's a there's a layer, especially if they, there's if, especially if you grew up in a healthy ecosystem. No matter what happens in business, there's a layer.
0: Yeah.
2: And between me and Jesse that's never changed. Right. So even people see us Chocolate City blah, 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 all that stuff when Jesse and I have been in the room, it's always been love. Okay. As an older brother, I've also had to learn how to listen to him because he has so much respect for me that sometimes he would just make himself small in the room. Just out of respect for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I've also had some learning to do with, it, with being able to say over time. Like, But I would say that maybe we're in the best phase of our, of our relationship as brothers mm-hmm. now. Like... When I go to Joss, Jesse lives in the most beautiful like home in Joss. Oh, my God. Just peaceful. I just want to go to that balcony, sit, mm-hmm. ch- chat with him. We chat for hours, catch up, we laugh. He's in a great space in his life. Um, and I think Jesse's going to make music. Like I think now we're going to see Jesse Jags. Now. like He's still going to do music? He's, he's one of those artists. It's like, there are some artists that their Timeless. music is not about mm-hmm. ID Young, ID Hot, or genre de pop. Because they love to do it. I Sabi. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician. I was created to make music, and those musicians make music. They're 70, they're 80. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesse's one of those. He's a gift to Nigerian music. You know, um, and um, may the may the fates be kind to him for him to continue to bless us with mm-hmm. his gift. You know, he's, I don't think he's going to be an artist that's a seasonal. Like I'm always current, but just like he did, people forget he came out with Waiting Day. It changed music. Mm-hmm. He disappeared. He came back with Dynation Come, which had that raga sound. Look, I mean, you look at the genre now. Everybody's doing some form of patois or something. Mm -hmm. Jesse Jacks was the person that came out. I'm going to murder them. Mm -hmm. So they're doing uh, Bad Girl, all these songs. And all of a sudden, people were like, oh, this vibe fits in. And he disappeared. He started putting out deep hip-hop music. He disappeared. We're waiting for the emperor to return and bless us again. And we know when he comes, he's going to change the game again. The emperor, <laughs> the
1: conqueror, the lion is coming. <laughs> okay, so the, let's let's I, I you know I, I said it before, like I don't listen to rap, right? But I listened, I can at least I can rap if you I can rap some some of your songs. Like should I the album that yeah, which, that's probably M I2 is Oh, um, we actual film? Yes. i be a Thank you, flowers. Mm. I really need these
2: flowers, man. These flowers, I
1: really, thank you. I know they listen to rap. you listen ah. to me like, yeah, because... If you know, Bita Shaq, I, come, so. I know they listen. We listen to that album so much so that I know every song from it. Yeah. I want to know the creative process. And there were two albums. Yeah. So but The first and the second one. Yeah. What was the creative process like? Because I, I did a lot of literature in school, right? And at the time, I was in secondary school where I was an A student in literature then there was rap. So I, I understood poems and how to be poetic and everything. So when I, when I used to listen to it as a child, I'm just like, this guy. It takes a lot. It, it, you know, I feel like rappers are some of the smartest people. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of sense yeah. or intelligence to be able to pull words together to make sense that much. And for every time that you opened your mouth, it made so much sense. You know, I probably would have listened to his song like three, four times and randomly just like, oh,
0: that's what he meant.
1: <laughs> ah, this guy's brilliant. You know, that's how brilliant the albums were. How did you make those albums? What was the creative process like? Were you high on something? Uh, were you <laughs> high with the most high? Like, you have to give me context. Those albums are classics.
2: I was just mopping, man. I was just mopping. This is your mopping? <laughs> yeah, where other artists are are Partying, I'm writing the verse again.
0: Mm.
2: You know, I I I know my brother, so I already know that there are sharks out there because I can look at Jesse and be like, "Oh my, art is bad." So I know that I have to beat you in the studio. I have to beat you with my work ethic. So you were competitive at. <laughs> in fact, part of the reason, the competitive part of me mm. is probably the part that even as as braggadocious as I was, I think that people don't really know about me. I'm insanely competitive. Like it spoils relationships. Where where I play football and places like that, I I go too hard. Um, so I just worked hard, man. I just take like there's a song Beef. To me, beef is like, to me, beef is the best Nigerian rap song. Because even it if is. people don't know that they they know this rap if I start rapping see them see them they wanna, wanna be me. Me. the song forces you to follow it yes. now that they see B.E.T. now that I be frequently be on, on the TV they wanna go there they can't afford the TP see my motto is do you know, more talk less. less never get mad at another man man's success sucks. so when people try to make sure I chop less I say no be your fault. fault you're just jobless. Ah! nonsense <laughs> but do you and keep missing Yakubu mm. But, he, and even the line about Yakubu, like, do you, but keep missing. Like, Yakubu missed but one clean right? goal. Oh, right. Yakubu missed a World Cup goal that would have kept us in the competition. The, the net was open, and they passed the ball to you. He missed it. So I said, keep missing, Yakubu. But here's some advice if you still want to um, walk down the road, go hug Transformer, mm-hmm. go find a cliff and do a Jimmy Jazz. Find a cliff, do a Jimmy Jads. What's Jimmy Jads' program called? Jumper. Go find a cliff and do a Jimmy Jazz. Jump off.
1: Please say, round of applause.
2: (laughs) No, you gave (laughs) us lyrics for days. I wrote this verse eight times, this song, eight times, to get it perfect. There's a line in the third verse where I say, People wonder how I be in, how I would fry when I sat in the sun through the weekend, Mm. believing it. If I work hard, I would reach then. What are the three days of the weekend? Friday, Friday Saturday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. I would fry as I sat in mm-hmm. the sun through the weekend believing when I work hard I would reach it. Like, Stop it. Those verses. Do you know what I just, I had <coughs> an idea
1: for you or yeah. your content. How can we bring back these lyrics to social media in a way that, I don't know, it's a stupid way to drive these lyrics on TikTok.
2: Yeah. Like, just analyze these lyrics. Yeah. And And, I did the work, to me, so like, you know, one of my th- feelings about Nigeria is that we don't, we don't really have a meritocracy. Yeah. And that holds Nigerians back. Yeah. Because people can win without doing any of the work. You know what I'm saying? But I can yeah. just say, I can speak for M.I. Right. to say that M.I. worked. Those verses are, are... And I did it because I would look at Mood 9 or look at Rugged. I would be like, these guys have given us so much. I have this opportunity. I want to say these things. And I just, you know, rap after rap after rap after rap after rap after rap. And I look back now. In fact, this morning I was running. Uh, I run every, I run every morning and there was one of my verses that was in my head. And I was doing the same thing. I was talking through the verse, just mm-hmm. trying to remember the verse. And I was like, ah, oh, ah, eh, you bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, it, the the badness is not like I look at myself and I'm like, "Am I your special?" Mm-hmm. It's not that, it's that I know that when it comes time to write a song, I'm going to take it more seriously. Mm. I'm going to mop the floor of that song. Will you? You know say till it's shiny. You know what I mean? And when I see young people now, I always tell them, "Whatever your work is, practice excellence at this job. Mm. because w- when you're at the heights, you're going to need to know when everybody else is playing, I know how to focus. You know what I'm saying? You're never going to run away from that in success. You're never going to be. You need to be able to be like, now it's on me. You know, the higher you get. And, um, and that's what I just tap into. That's, that's that analogy about mopping that I keep bringing back on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it is for me. It's like, even right now, on the things I'm working on, you know, sometimes you work in the dark for one day for something to be in the sun. Right. You know? Right. And in the dark, Sometimes you're working for a year, and nobody can see the results yes. I need to you need to keep mopping, yeah keep mopping, you know uh, you know you know
1: there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes into becoming successful or anything that has to do with excellence for you to be so excellent, there's so much work that has to go on behind the scenes, and people are not always ready to do that work, yeah, I feel like you did that work because yeah. it even shows in the lyrics because I imagine that you read you probably read a lot yeah. Absolutely. Because for you to construct like that, yeah. you, know, you know, and every, it was also, like the lyrics was not, we know we have a lot of freestyle these days, you know, we just talking, eh, yeah, about it. but it was proper, like English. Yeah. It was, it was like, we're in school. Because now that you said this thing, I'm just like, that's what he meant. But like, before I'm just like, okay, maybe one day I'll figure out this lyrics. <laughs> there, there are also some lyrics that you had yeah. that I'm like, one day, one day, we could figure out what to yeah. it is this mean? But just, it just looks good. It just yeah. sounded
2: my, good. My, out, we can do this, like, I have some projects called the Mixtapes. These right. were for really, like, illegal music. In illegal music, like, let me give you a simple one. This is, talking about lyrics. I have a song that starts like this. Shorty, you're the one. I'm proud to be your man. Mm-hmm. Without you, i I'm a zero together we're a 10. If you think about the structure of those four lines, Shorty, you're the one. I'm proud to be your man. Without you, I'm a zero. Together mm. we're a 10. You see, it's a short poem, but with a one and a zero, if you put them together, they become a 10. You know what I'm saying? Without you, I'm nothing. But when you, I, you're coming with me, we become a 10. We become the totality of everything. You know, that is the beauty of rap. You understand? And it's hitting it's in those things. Mm. I, in, this, in this same tape, I think the next song, I have a a line where I would say I said something about um oh my god a uh, verbal pugilist I spit into an iron mic now this is now more lyrical right what's a pugilist a fighter mm-hmm. right so when you talk about pugilism everybody talk those boxing mm-hmm. that's basically the art of boxing relies on pugilism right which is even a word where well, has anybody heard it but, the, but the word who pugilism? says who, which which musician says pugilism <laughs> but here's the point. Where you
1: learn that one I from? Said him, I said, verbal please?
2: pugilist. I spit into an Iron mic. Mike's an Iron Abbey. Mm-hmm. And the line, Iron Mike Tyson, right? Who is like one of the greatest pugilists of all time. Do you know what I'm saying? So with rap, you can, you can take things and bend them and do so much with it. And at one layer, people are listening to you and they think they understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But there's another layer where something is happening at the same time. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's going... And it's really beautiful when you can put both together. And it's beautiful to say... I have... I, I, I used to say during my career, I used to get beaten up about this a lot. I used to say I'm one of the greatest rappers in the world. I agree. And the reason I say so is because whether or not in my lifetime people say so, I want Nigerian audiences to know that we produced a rapper that whatever they could do there, we were doing yes. here. Yes,
0: Do
1: you
2: know what yes. I'm saying? Yes. And... I'm proud of that. Yes, Do you know what I'm saying. You, you, because
1: I, let me let me let me touch on this, right? Because for you to be a rapper of this standard, you have to be extremely smart. It's such a poetic, like rap, people don't understand how poetic rappers are. Yeah, yeah, right, and. For you to take lyrics... First of all, you have to also be grounded. Like, you have to be reading. I assume yeah. that you have to read a lot. Yeah. For you to, to twist words like that. Because... Yeah. Pujil is the way you drop for me this <laughs> time.
2: <laughs> People, uh, you know... There's a third of my fans that they say... I heard this word from Bebai. Yes. I heard this word from Bebai. Yes. I heard this word yes. from Bebai. I went and researched. How much do you
1: read? Yeah. How much do you
2: read at the time? Yeah, I, 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 I... At the time when I was recording... Yeah, I'm. you know, I always read. I've always... It's one of the first things my father gave me. And it would even shock people the kind of books I read. I read... Like now, with the work I do, I read tech books. I read books about entrepreneurship. I read books about systems, management, right, consulting. Right. In fact, there's one book I saw the other day called um, High Output Management. I tried to read this book six years ago. It was completely foreign to me. Yeah. Now, because of what I'm working yes, on, yes. it's like... It's like Pigeon now. It's yes. so easy for me to understand, yes. Yes. you know. But I would say to people like, there's a statement I heard about reading that really hits me hard. This even people in the room. It's like the smartest people that have ever lived. Before they died, they were like, "Shit, I know so much. How can I leave it?" Put
1: it into a book.
2: So the refusal to read is, sh- is literally removing yourself from the best of human knowledge. Mm. Do you understand? And it's probably just an f- attitude you have because your early teachers made you feel bad. They called you stupid, they mm. called you something. But you can unlearn that mm. and spend as much of your time reading. There's so much you learn about mm. the world. Mm-hmm. There are questions that you have. There, everything you want to say about marriage has been written. Everything you want to say about business has been mm. written. Everything you want to say about media has been written by somebody that did it. Somebody that was probably number one globally. Do you know what I'm saying? And that is this is how you do it. This is step one, step you two, step step. Somebody three, step said four. about
1: reading. Somebody said, you know, the, why reading is so important is, is because you know, somebody who has had like twenty, thirty years of experience decides that you know what, I'm going to put this experience into a book. I'm going to sell it for twenty dollars. Yeah, and you you turn down that,
2: that offer, twenty dollars. That's a stupid. What somebody's probably used twenty I mean, million dollars strongman? to learn. Yes, and life, not just twenty million dollars, and life. They worked. They struggled, they failed, yeah. they got accolades, they had experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, in like, as a CEO now, like my first run as CEO of Chocolate City, mm-hmm. I was a lot of hard work, a lot of energy. But I, my business uh, knowledge, I was learning on the job as I was going along. Um, now, I can literally listen to Elon Musk, who maybe is the smartest entrepreneur that's ever mm-hmm. lived. I can read about John D. Rockefeller. Like, I was reading about Rockefeller. And, like, this guy, like, let me, I'll I'll share a story so maybe anybody that's interested in reading, because I know Nigerians are very entrepreneurial. John D. Rockefeller, this story that I heard about him, he was in a bad business deal, and he knew the deal was bad. He knew that the person he's working with is not going to help him. So, he created a two-year plan about how he's going to continuously remove this guy from this business over time. It took him two years, and he never said a word to anybody about the plan. He just created a plan. This guy's going to destroy this business. I need to make a plan. He made the plan. Now, in business, a lot of times, you need to think ahead. Two, three years, right? But I can read about how this guy thought about it and learn without having to go through it. And replicate. Do you know what I'm saying? And replicate. I can read about, like, I can read anything. The world has so much knowledge, mm. and the fact that we had such terrible teachers when we were growing up—teachers that yeah. beat us, told us mm. you're stupid—they made this, this, this—you this, this, go to the back of the line, you be mumu waiting, mm. no, no—they mm. created so much trauma around learning. Yes, where we are naturally a learning people, like we—all this camera shit and all this stuff we're doing. How do we do it? All this podcasting—we, we, mm-hmm. we, did, we learned it. We built it ourselves, but we're afraid of learning from books because we had a bad experience generally. Right. There, you know what I'm saying? But it's something as an adult, I think, like, for for you now, there are people that, like, you're one of Nigeria's top brands, you know? Are there the are people that, are good? yeah, the people have written books about branding. Yeah. Everything you need to know about what you should do next from here to becoming a global brand is in a book.
1: Yeah,
2: You know what I mean? By someone that was like you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I went through it. Like, the owner of Vogue, the owner of all, all these people. On the great, on the greats have, have a memoir or something, Shah. You know, and it's all there. Yeah, you know, so. I enjoy reading
1: memoir. I feel like my my, I mean, I I can do a bit of fiction, but my best form of reading is you know, I love memoirs because I just I love to I love to read about the lives of great people. Yeah, and and you know, if you can put, they won't tell you everything in the book, yeah. but they will call it just all. gives you an idea of <laughs> like you know yeah. what life would, was for this person, and yeah. you know, and you can relate to it. Yeah, it's, it's just guys, you guys should read more. Tell me about your time I see you at um chocolate city um,
2: man, so much sacrifice, mm-hmm. so much sacrifice um, so much learning,
0: so much planting without planting in faith. let me mm-hmm. put that um Um, life changing, um, And
2: yeah, you know me. I'm a, like a, I mean, like I, feel as if I always break down answers into like serious, mm-hmm. <laughs> into serious things. But that's how I would encapsulate it. Now, let me add a little bit of narrative there. Um, I'll do one day called me. I remember, I, I had a red written rover that time. I was driving back to Lecy, flexing. Mm-hmm. I went to the office in we had an office i had an office i had a record label loopy records in on the mainland so i was driving back from agada and Audu said i want you to be the ceo of chocolate city i think my time here is done my almost crashed the car ceo of a record label I'd never thought about it before then Um, but then he explained to me like he felt like he didn't have so much to give at the time anymore for the labor point of view he wanted to go do other things um and with all the challenges we had at the time, we had a lot of challenges. Jesse was leaving, Brymo was leaving, Ice Prince was like, ah, "Am I sure I'm staying?" We didn't really have a sustainability plan. A lot of the artists that were there at the time, we didn't really. We had a, we had some. We had a, a business on the island, but the staff there hadn't really built the systems they needed to do. It was you know. So I just jumped in. Mistake after mistake, try after try, error after error, but immediately it became clear to me that we didn't have enough money to do what we needed to do. Mm -hmm. We can't compete. And I say so respectfully, but what we colloquially call the Yahoo Boy money was entering into music at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was now also, this is like 2015, people like DMW, you know, when there was a period when David had taken off where they were like, okay, we're going to really take it seriously. And the budget, the bunch, I think, was one of those people, DMW, it just became a different game in mm-hmm. terms of the marketing budget. You know? Um, and we didn't have the money at the time. You know? We're big brand. So I said, okay, what we can do is we can build a sustainability plan. Let's find the next stars. So we build that ecosystem and out of that ecosystem, let me list the artists that came out. Cavemen, uh, Blackbones, uh, CK, um, um, what's her name Candy hmm. um, and many more artists I'm yeah. not going to take credit for a lot of these other artists because yeah. it's not direct but you know from a label point of view mm-hmm. when you help one artist that artist normally has two or three friends that can get closer they can get on a collab and now yeah. they're discovered by someone else and yeah. you know and the program worked we really slaved hard for it I right. had an amazing team Toda Abuchi Loose mm-hmm. Kanon AQ, uh, L3, um, Biola. Um, I'm forgetting so many people that worked with me. Um, but that team, we just focused. We're going to find the next stars of the future. We're going to build systems around it. We're going to do... And we said to do the work. And we were successful. We found stars and we sold the business in 2019 to to Warner. So I mean, that was... Uh, yeah. I, mean, I feel like you still have some... More a lot to say there, a lot anyway, to say but I'm, I'm going to move
1: because um, time is fast spent right Um, I, I don't know I want to put this in a way that is not disrespectful to the work that you have done but you know how some people say that you know rap is not a thing in Nigeria anymore I yeah. was the last great rapper from Nigeria we've yeah. seen tweets about that what do you feel about the conversation around rap now
2: in Nigeria yeah especially with the work that you've done yeah you know so first of all, let's, 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 let's answer this in two ways. Why is rap valuable? Let's, let's talk to that. And then secondly, the conversation around rap and, and rap's place in Nigeria's history. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rap is valuable because there's some trauma that people go through that other genres of music can't speak to. Fair enough. You understand? And rap, when black
0: Beaten, bruised,
2: degraded young men were like, we're going to take back our dignity. You know, hip-hop is one of the art forms that emerged. It's so powerful. I have lines, like a DMX line. He says, I wasn't given the chance of being a child with a father. My only talent is being able to survive when things get harder. My balance in the high beams of life keep my dreams afloat. it's like what we're talking about like we develop this skill of struggle mm-hmm. imagine hearing somebody say that as a poem and this guy is a drug dealer <laughs> robber so you're seeing the juxtaposition of this person's intelligence but their pain at the same time rap is the only genre and especially with what we've gone through in our world the stories of Portable Reminisce, Vector Olamide Dagrin and what those people have seen and what it means and how they share it with the world mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. Rappers, not just that, it's contributed to Afrobeats, it incubated Afrobeats. The Afrobeat stars were first singing hooks on rappers' songs. They took the lingo, they took the song structure, they took the slangs. Yo, yo, man, the outfits. They took so much from hip-hop, it's contributed to so much. It's such an important genre. Now, in Nigeria, only what is making the most money is value, Is valued. That. If people can critique Nigerian hip-hop on any other thing, rather than it doesn't make as much money as Afrobeats. And we have to think about that as a people. It's the only thing that matters how much you have. You know what I'm saying? And so, to me, that's, it's a values conversation about Nigeria. They're not saying that like, over the last few years, there's been Files, there's been SDC, there's been AQ, there's been Blackbones, there's been Odimodu Black, mm-hmm. there's been Boogie, there's been great rap music, you know, as we've gone through this period. But, the argument now is, but you guys are broke, compared to these other guys. Mm-hmm. And that argument, hip-hop is just the victim in this conversation, but it's a Nigerian value system. It's how we look at the world. And to me, that's unfortunate. I don't even take it personally as a rapper. I realize that it's something that's broken in the larger context. Mm. It's going to affect how we elect people. It's going to affect who we see as celebrities. It's going to affect who we respect as pastors. Right. It's going to respect...
1: Who we respect generally
2: is a thing. Everything is going to frame our context. Yeah. Um, That being said, um, I feel like there's also some stupidity around the conversation because right now, if you go look at the charts right now, hip-hop is dominating. And I would put it to you that there's never been a year that hip-hop didn't participate as the second genre in a strong way. Hmm. You know, it's just, you know, in life, sometimes, Timison, there'll be a story about you and no matter what you say, that story will be there. Mm -hmm. You know, human beings, truly, human beings in large groups are not very smart you know do you know that there was a crowd that was saying crucify him yeah crucify him mm-hmm. crucify him i have a song where i said um oh it's on my last album about uh so the shit is a war zone it's a minefield i've been studying the data just like a scientist so you ask a mob for advice you end up killing jesus christ you know what i'm saying if you go and ask the crowd what should we do mm. do you know what i'm saying the wisdom is not in crowds so when I hear the crowd speak, I just say to rappers, fix up, keep moving. Mm. Because what matters is that you can take care of your family. Mm. And now I think in that regard, rap is even better off than Afrobeat. Most rappers are building in, into ecosystems. They're getting other jobs. They're creating communities around. And I think rap is going to continue to do this thing. One more thing I'll say, I'm not abandoning the genre.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Even in what I'm doing right now, I want to give all my life to Hip-hop, because hip-hop has given me so much. And as you said, like it is poetry. Mm
0: -hmm. You go
2: and listen to M.I.'s songs, there's a story about what it meant to be a Nigerian that's more clear because it was written in raps. Mm -hmm. You understand, money Mm -hmm. slow to enter. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow poor, I didn't grow rich. I was growing through the life, but we're in a ditch, I would look at some of my friends. Mm -hmm. It's a story. Mm -hmm. And you can listen to other songs without a chop my money, Mm -hmm. but the poets. The African poets were also important. They're also in the museum. Yeah. They should also be in the museum and as as a people, we should be like, this is our artifact too as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We also have music. We also, imagine us being like, fuck those artifacts from England. How much money do they make? Mm-hmm. We only want Afrobeats. It's sort of what we're doing to hip-hop. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's, you know, again, mobs can be stupid. We can make statements that will be like, later you look back and you're like, we're really all saying that. You know? <laughs>
1: You know, one of the things that I, I've, I've realized in this, in this industry that we are in, you know, beyond the glitz, the glamour, the girls, the boys, the, the access to everything—you know—peace of mind comes when you just find that one person that you know
2: you love, and they love you back. How did you find her in your life? Uh, how did I find her? Yeah. I, I went through a breakup. That breakup made me say, "Fix up." You M.I. should fix up your life. (laughs) So I fixed up my life. In fact, when I fixed up my life, honestly, uh, being honest, I was, in my mind, I was saying to myself, I'm going to get back with my ex. You know, I'm going to take some time off, really fix on all this stuff, get back with my ex. Um, And that just didn't happen. You know, time, we started drifting apart. We're not talking. And then at this point, I was one day, I was like, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm in a place in my life now where I've done a lot of self-work and I want to meet someone. So I was like, let me... How do you meet... You know, as a celebrity, how do you meet... How do you date? How do you date? You go on apps? <laughs> I even tried it once. I think I have some... I have some, uh, some accounts on Tinder. Ah! And like, but there's no way... There's no way because... <laughs> there's no way I discovered that everybody's yeah. a real estate agent. On it. Ish, you just Tinder. see Abigail. Work What's your work? Real estate. <laughs> Age 23. 22. But anyway... Um, so, I was like, "Oh, I just ask people." So I, I asked Aoudou, and Aoudou was like, yeah, "You know this this girl." You literally asked Aoudou. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm ready to." I was asking people, "Hey, I'm. I think I would like to meet uh, someone new. Women. But let me tell you something. During the self work, I saw myself differently as well, and I valued myself differently. So I was like, "Oh." I'm gonna look for an amazing partner now. Like, what am I doing? Like, ah, this nobody they push me, nobody they rush me. Mm-hmm, let mm-hmm. me find best of the best. Yeah. So it, it was it was not just that. Oh, please help me in looking for somebody. I was like, let me send out the scouts into the world to return back to me with a list of uh the Pussy fair maidens, maidens that I shall uh, <laughs> but and then Audi was like, you should uh it's this girl called Eniola Mafe, and um, I was like, "Whoa,
1: who's that?"
2: Okay, let's see. He sent me her picture. He said, me- "He was saying it." I pulled her up on, on Instagram. Now, when I was younger, I used to say that the woman I want to marry—this was a kid—has an afro. I just I loved afros when I was a child, so I pulled up her DP and she had an afro. Was that when you just said it that the shows the one? No, not yet. Okay. I was like, I went on her page. I'm like, are you guys telling me that this woman is not married? Like, that was my first thought. Like, ah, is it that she's divorced? Like, based on what I'm seeing, like how she looks, the things she's into, are you guys actually letting me say that? Nobody has taken it. You know when you see those kind of opportunity, you go sit up. See how? Ah. Go stuff and say, did they go on here? Mm-hmm. So I now hit her up on I followed her. You know, just as a I did, you know. <laughs> and then the next day, if you know Anyola, she she loves everyone. So she, I don't even think she even put anything together. She just saw a story on my saw something on my stories. She responded to it the next day. We started chatting. To me, so literally as soon as we started talking, we never stopped talking. She just said <laughs> Like, we just said for, the next time we spoke, we spoke for two hours. This is the second time that we spoke. The the third time we spoke, we spoke for three hours. Three weeks into talking to her. Now, my whole community, Seth, in a way, they were, I I felt like the expectation was not that I was going to come with a new relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time. Three weeks, I don't call my guy loose.
0: Oh boy, problem D, problem D.
2: Like two months later, she was coming to Nigeria. Do you know, my niece, my niece tells the story because I, I have a very close relationship with my niece. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you, Jade. Mm-hmm. And she tells the story. She says she'd always seen me with other women, but when she just saw me with Angela, she was like, "Oh, this from day good. one, he's gonna marry this one." And what part of the reason is that because I knew she was coming to the house. I went and she's going to come by and visit. I went and changed all like the pots and pans. You know when you're on bachelor vibes? Yeah. I was like, "Omo, What's <laughs> going on here? Because I don't already sit up. It's gonna be joke? For this, for this, <laughs> for this, for this same word where we
1: did. So and you're really
2: ready to marry. You're ready to settle down and. I don't, I don't even know if I thought he was going to be my marriage. I didn't think it in that way. But when I saw, when I met Eniola, I realized that. I just met someone whose story I wanted to continue being part of. And that's just what marriage is. Marriage is not telling people, okay, we've agreed this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And so everything then just flowed from there. Mm-hmm. Like up till last night we were talking about it and we are just like, mm-hmm. she was talking about our friendship, you know, and it's like, hey, I enjoy being your friend, you know. Um, and that's the way I look at it. Like I tell most young people, I, I'll say so to you too as well, about... Relationships and marriage, and let's let's not even use the word marriage here, because I realize that many people watching it have different have different uh, experiences of marriage. So the word means different things to many people. What I'm talking about is being a committed long term relationship, right? I tell young people and all of you guys here that feeling that you feel that am I alone in this world? Is ever anyone ever going to get me? Is anyone going to understand me? That's you? where I am. Uh, no one is uh, ever going to understand you. Yeah you are actually alone. A rude shock. And shocked. The more, the quicker you can accept that as reality, the more mature you'll be about life. Now, it's nobody's job to understand you because they can never. But now that you know you're alone, it actually makes sense for you to have a teammate. Like, if you have to go through life alone, it would actually be better for you to convince one other person to be like, hey, can we team up? I know you're alone. I'm alone too. These are my likes and and wants. Let me see your likes and wants. Can we reach a negotiation and just look out for each other, both of us alone? And that if you look for a partner that way, your relationship would be even more healthy because you're looking for things that are actually going to help you on your life path down the line. Mm -hmm. And so because I was looking in that perspective, like I'm looking for somebody who's going to walk with me on my own journey Mm. in life, when I met her and I just saw her own pathway, it was very, 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 very easy for us to look and look at the plan. I remember we were so much in love in our first year that we used to have these moments where we would ask each other, are we infatuated? So we'll go online, <laughs> we'll print out a list of things and be like, is this just, is this just dumb love? I will go through, say, if it's dumb love, then this will happen. We'll be like, are we this? They will say, okay, we're not. Okay, this may be real love. <laughs> you know, because um, we it was just such a strong feeling. But, one year into marriage, I would say that um, I'm lucky. You know, I'm still trash. I'm a, tra- like, I'm a trash um, trash, human trying to improve and trying mm-hmm, to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But having someone that um, is your friend and has your back. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. one, one thing about, one example I give about marriage is that there was a day I received a passcode for something and I didn't know where to keep it. And I was like, oh, I have a partner. I could just put it in our WhatsApp chat. And I know for sure that, I know for sure that this password is safe because what I want it for is what this person wants it for mm-hmm. as well. I can't trust, literally I can't trust anybody else on earth. But this person, we are aligned in purpose. So, hey, okay, here you go. This is my password for this thing. Um, and I'm very grateful. Shout out to you, Annie. Um uh, And I look forward to as many more years as we can do it and many years of learning. I love a good love story.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, it's so uh, cute. Like to
2: hear you. I I felt like I felt like I was being so boring about it. I'm breaking it down.
1: I'm making it like. But but, you know, it's so beautiful to see. Like, and I'm beginning to learn how important finding love is. And you know, but you know one of the things that really stuck out for me that you were saying is that, you know, friendship is so important because there are days where you're not in love, yeah, but that person is your friend. So you look out for your friend, you care about your friend. Yeah. But does it, What changes when you get married? Because, you know, it's one thing for you to be dating and having a great time and being in love, I mean, being fatuated, right? But marriage is the seal. Like, we're in this together. Yeah,
2: Vows have been taken. Yeah. I, if I'm to be honest with you guys, I would say that I think the real change in marriage is the cost of divorce. <gasps> like, once you marry, you can have any argument single people can have. You can behave anyhow. Single people behave. It's your choice. It's your life. However, if the other person says, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this anymore," both of you are going to pay a heavy price. The next one year or two years of your life are going to be in turmoil, mm-hmm. and that changes the dynamic of every argument you have because the stakes are high now. You know, um, so. I find as a man that I I have to learn to draw my own boundary in the relationship. Because if things go too far, whether or not whoever's fault it was, I'm still going to pay the cost. I'm going to bear the cost, you know? Um, And I feel like that's an area of growth. It's like you have to make up your minds in a committed relationship. There are things I will no longer do. Mm -hmm. Things I've told myself my whole life. If this person does this to me, I will never. And then you are with somebody. Person does it to you, and you say, "Do I have twenty million naira, or do I have a hundred million naira now to go through a divorce?" Is that how much people think about it? You be when you get married, you move in together, mm-hmm. you start sharing money, you start mm-hmm. sharing accounts. So even in the Nigeria setting, where like patriarchy, a men own run everything, like even the cost of her just leaving your house. Let's let's go back to the the fucked up Nigerian example. I own everything. She's just my wife. Even the cost of just her family members coming, the conversation, like it takes a toll on you mentally, Mm. cost-wise. It is actually a visceral process to break away from somebody after marriage. Mm. And that's why you shouldn't go into it uh, willfully. You shouldn't go into it playfully. Because leaving it is very difficult. You know, it's very, very difficult. This person has a legal right. Whatever you want to say, the person can say, yes, but I'm their spouse. And everybody in the whole world has agreed, based on this piece of contract, that this person mm-hmm. has a right to. You know. So, um, but I would say that that take your time. Knowing that you're alone, like you, Temison, you are alone. You are alone. When you when you marry, all I have is Jesus. <laughs> when you marry, your partner no go understand you. You go reach time when are you? Go? You, you you have to look out for yourself. Mm. You have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be strong. You mm-hmm. have to be patient. You know, when that person is, can't be patient, mm-hmm. when that person can't show up, you have to be the one to show up for yourself first, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. even for the relationship. Um, but most of the time, especially when it really matters, when you have no one else, you'll be like, but I have someone else. Yeah. You know, And having a human being that's on your side mm-hmm. is the most important thing. One human being with you changes the world for you. So... It's Amazing. worth
1: doing. <laughs> it's Married man advice too. So, yeah, yeah, love can change people. Ooh. We have never spoken. I was yeah. I even lovey dovey. I wasn't. Talking, it was, was so. I, it was so deep. Like in a, I'm sure a lot like, oh, of people watched him. Like I just realized
2: that you. That's the Chocolate City logo on your hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the music You know, I saw it earlier. I didn't even pay attention to it, but ooh. now I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's. Are you at Chocolate City? Okay. I know a lot of people... How can she be at Chocolate there? No, because now in the workspace, a lot of young people have, like... Oh, yeah. The she's one job of those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, she's one
1: of those ones. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Shout out to CC. and the whole
1: family. <laughs> anyway, so, like, before I, I let you go, let's talk about the work that you're currently doing. Because, I mean, as much as you're still doing a lot of music work, you're also doing work in, like,
2: advocacy. Yeah. Um, you run an agency now. Yeah.
1: Tell me about that work.
2: Yeah, we're trying to solve a big problem. And the big problem is that creatives are not good with business. Right, They're not good with business not because they're not intelligent but because being creative requires for you to spend a lot of time on the creative side of your brain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the creative side of your brain needs freedom. It doesn't need structure. So you have to emerge from your creative side of your brain to come and sign a contract. You don't know what's going on. You must trust someone. And over time, what those people have shown us, that those people take advantage of us. They give us bad splits on contracts. Agents take deals. They won't tell you how much they collected. They negotiate you down. They don't, you know. And it's a problem that has stopped most artists, most creatives in our sector from transitioning from being celebrities to becoming businesses. You know, so Task is trying to solve that problem and trying to provide the infrastructure so that creatives at every level Mm -hmm can plug into our ecosystem and use our business tools and just do their work. Um, Of course, this takes a lot of work. Like, you're talking about building something that um, is not for creatives, it's for tech people. Mm -hmm. You know? So, um, getting this done is not something that, you know, a creative, just a creative can do. So, but it's the problem, it's my mission now. I don't know how to explain. Because there's something you said there. The, when we were pre-gaming, you said, I don't want the creatives be coming behind me to go through what I went through. Yeah. To me, so. what I went through and what I've been through, like, it's not just that. Like, I was the perfect creative. I'm the creative that when my label didn't have money, I said, don't worry, I'll figure it out. Let's use my equipment. Let's use my money. And even in those partnerships, I was taking advantage of. I'm the creative that helped so many artists. Told them, don't worry, I don't need anything from you. Go work with this person. And even in those relationships, I was taking advantage of. I'm the creative that I've put in 12, I have 12 projects. Do you know what I'm saying? I've put in so much work into music. I've performed, you ask about me all these brands. I've Mm -hmm. performed for many brands. I've done favors for every comedian, every artist. Mm -hmm. And even in those relationships, I was taking advantage of consistently and so it's a problem for me i asked you a question earlier what problem do you want to take with you before you die this is the problem with me. can we change the way the world interacts with creatives mm-hmm. that's the task mission we're going to change that and it's been a lot of work a lot of learning now on the advocacy side what we've done is we've told the nonprofits, you guys have a lot of opportunities for creatives a lot all this work you're doing we want to change attitude on women's health we want to do gender inclusion who do you think is going to make this change happen It's creatives. You go hire all these NGOs and all these guys, Mm -hmm. they do great work. But now the problems of today is Mm -hmm. it's a a culture problem. Mm -hmm. If young people don't believe you, if young people see you as an NGO, as a government, they're not going to connect to it and the message is going to get lost. And so the work we've done so far is to help nonprofits that really want to see change in society, connect with creatives and move it forward. And Mm -hmm. we've been doing that for three years. I'm very, very proud of the work we do. We're going to scale next year, do a full agency. Mm Um, have creatives on board we're going to launch a, a platform too like a tech platform for creatives to go on board and and just grow and this is going to be i'm still going to make music still push my music but i feel as if having in my opinion successfully contributed to the nigerian catalog of art mm-hmm. like the nigerian museum of all time
0: mm-hmm.
2: i've done a great job of contributing art to it yes i can now look at the museum structure and be like we need our own museum yeah. you know what i'm saying and start working on that and um yeah that's that's what i'm working on now <laughs> thank you so much emma like i wish that
1: we could continue and just keep on talking because there's so many questions that i have to yeah. ask you but you know one of the things i would say is that you know in the hall of fame yeah. you know if we had if we had what's it's called it's called the hall of fame right if we um. had that in nigeria you probably would, <laughs> because you know, you've really given so much to the industry yeah. and I respect you so much and yeah. well done on all the work you're doing going Thank forward you. before I let you go finally what would you call this chapter of your life if you, if, you were, if this was a book if you're writing a book I love that question
2: I love that question um, I think that every chapter of your life I'll call it the prelude this is your prelude?
0: yeah
2: this is your prelude yeah. what's your copy my own? it's your prelude uh, you see. I think that's the right way for us to look at the world. Mm. Imagine now, Timison, when your podcast now is on global charts. Somebody asks you, what do you call this phase of your life? You say this is the prelude. Then you now become uh, like uh, Ryan Seacrest. Mm. You now have a network. Somebody asks you, what's the phase of your life? You say it's the prelude. You know, that's the way I look at it. Like, when I turned 40, I understood that, oh, when I was, I was a boy before. I was a boy. Like, this is why over generations they've been saying life begins at 14. They've known it. It's a, like actual wisdom because at 30, you're, you're, you know a lot. So you say my life has not started. <laughs> I've, tell, I've told you so many times. You know, <sighs> was it two years ago when Timmy saw Tommy's age? I was physically sick. I'm like, how can you be so I'll young be, and so accomplished? I've been working, you no. Know, I you feel like I need to retire by 30. That's why I'm rushing you can't but are you sure you want to retire by 30 so for 40 years 40-50 years I'll be, I just want to marry rich mm. do you know like marry somebody from like
1: Saudi Arabia the family doesn't want me to be in the public I just work in the family business
2: you, you know I think you probably hate it 40 years Don't old. Don't say that. You, you
1: know, you're an adventurer. You build things. No,
2: i was in inside in in the, in, the,
1: in, the house. <laughs> in
2: the house. I'm walking around like, wow, I discovered a new I discovered a I new <laughs> <also>. i <I'm> tired. <laughs> I hear that. But I
1: hear you. I know, I know that, you know, um, I would never be comfortable just being, maybe a stay-at-home husband or whatever. But I just, we just need the amount of money that would not make us work this hard.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I also, to be honest with you, like, there's, there's also that phase in life. And that phase in life is that sometimes you're, you've, you've worked, you've reached a level and you need to rest and reset. Mm. You know, sometimes. Because you don't, you don't get to the next step without putting your second foot on this step where you were, mm-hmm. without resting. You right. climb, you rest. You climb, you rest. Mm-hmm. So um, if your body is telling you that, like, ah, I don't try, you know, maybe you say, okay, the next year of my life is about consolidating where I am, mm-hmm. resting, opening perspective, Taking some courses, Mm -hmm. setting new goals and something. But I can tell you that having been at the phase in my life, I've had that year, 2019. As soon as Warner came into Chocolate City, I had enough money to do nothing. I had enough success to disappear. And I just disappeared. Just went to my house, sat down, I became so fat. I was eating. (laughs) You have seen I was just relaxing. I, I was going through breakup that time. So babes. Yeah. I just enjoy my life and it's not the same as knowing I have something to do and I must do it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm waking up with that fire, you know. Those times are better than than being like, I've done it, let me relax. You know, it's never as much fun as having purpose.
1: Thank you so much. And my cheers to us and cheers purpose in life and our prelude phase. And I am I'm so glad we got to do it. Yeah, I'm glad.